Hi, it's your favorite former U.S. men's national team player, Jimmy Conrad. And while there's no football being played, I'm going to catch up on all the episodes I missed of that one show where I know I'm smarter and funnier than the hosts, BR Football Ranks. Hello ladies and gentlemen and welcome to BR Football Ranks recorded live from our houses in London. My name is Jack Collins and I will be your host and joining me as ever, Mr. Sam Tai, the birthday boy. The birthday boy, the big 3-0 Walcott people. Hello. Congratulations. Happy birthday. Well done for making it this far. Yeah, everyone's surprised. Uh, everyone's impressed, I think. And uh, none, none more so than me. Really happy to still be around. I can't believe I've made it. And to your mentor who has got you this far, Mr. Dean Jones. Hello, mate. I'm actually younger than Sam, which not many people know. So I look forward to him being able to tell me what it's like to be in his 30s. Yeah, obviously, I'm actually six years old. So <laughs> yeah, so you keep getting younger and younger. Yeah, 24 <laughs> years. I'm looking forward to Sam telling me all about this. Um, so lads, I know we had a lot planned for this podcast we were going to talk ballon d'or rankings we're going to talk all sorts but i got an email this morning from gianni infantino who said to me that he's a huge fan of the podcast and that with the champions league in indefinite limbo he wants us to work out who are the champions of this year's champions league he wants us to walk through every game do a live draw on the pod and basically determine the winners of this year's champions league so big task but you feeling up for it what an honour that is. What an honour. And I can't wait to get stuck in. And I'm not surprised for one second that Big Gianni has uh, has come to us in his hour of need. He knows that we're a trusted source for this sort of thing. Well, he knows what's up. A time when football's in disarray, who else would you turn to but us three Muppets? Absolutely. So, I mean, just kind of a recap of, of where we are, really. Um, and as ever, uh, I thought I'd do this in the form of ballad in the form of sonnet in the form of poem so please let me take you back to september 19 32 teams drawn all with one dream get through the groups and the knockout round and see themselves as champions crown so back in september and over in france angel di maria made his old side dance real madrid decimated zidane in a rage and erling Haaland announced himself on the big stage first half hat trick salzburg on the charge and inter leaving it late against prague hector herrera popped up late as well to give juve's dream star that death knell and over in italy napoli beat the best liverpool slipped up and lorente did the rest the holders defeated but the upset in the apple cart meant plus Atalanta had the worst possible start, a 4-0 loss to Zagreb at home, their Ajax ambitions sinking like a stone. Juve bounced back, 3-0 in Turin, in Istanbul, Icardi gave PSG the win, Liverpool beat Salzburg in a 4-3 thriller, at Spurs, Nabry sealed himself as a stone-cold killer, 7-2 to Bayern, Poch's job on the line, and Foden sealed a City win in injury time. Suarez was Barca's hero against Inter, and Zenit beat Benfica in the the harsh Russian winter. Dennis reminded Real Madrid just who they were missing. That CR7 celebration left the fans reminiscing. Leipzig lost to Leon. Atleti won away. And in Group H, wide open. Who can really say? 
Bayern staged perfect, sailing through clean whilst Atalanta staged the impossible dream. From no points from two to seven overall, their late resurgence and inspiration to us all. Never give up, never lie down easily and never doubt the magic man Gasparini. Inter crashed out, laid low by Dortmund and Barca in the race to the knockouts just that little bit faster. And in Group H, the madness, the drama, Ajax 4, Chelsea 4, some said that it was karma with Lille struggling, three had to become two and Valencia and Chelsea were the ones who made it through. Tears for plucky Ajax, tears from Frankie worlds apart but that team from last year remained forever in our heart and onto the knockouts and in the cauldron of fire, Atletico beat Liverpool in the madness, in the mire, corner taken quickly and Saul alive, whilst in Dortmund, Haaland continued to thrive. New team, same goals as he put two past PSG, whilst Atalanta started to sting like a bee. Beat Valencia 4-1, on the bandwagon, all aboard, while Leipzig put Jose's Tottenham to the sword. Bayern hammered Chelsea, Leon caused a shock, and Napoli Barca ground to deadlock. KDB dominated Real Madrid in Spain. Now flip it over. Let's do it all again. See, Neymar and co turned it round at home, through the book, although being that rattled by a teenager's not a good look. Atalanta got it done, and though there was no crowd, 4-3 at the Mestalla was a game that left us wowed. And in the last one, before it all drew to a close, Atleti dumped the holders out on their nose. End-to-end chaos, extra time, thunder and blood, before Marcus Llorente left Liverpool in the mud, and there we had to call it, for the safety of all. The end lies in the future, still lies the match ball, and yet we we dream of games that yearning fire still burns and we will be ready when the game we love returns wow that was incredible and you know what you know i mean that because i i never say that yeah you need to keep this down because i reckon when the football does return you are going to be putting this out live on br match day because why not that was that was brilliant mate that was better than the, the videos could ever tell us Fantastic, mate. Well done. I was actually just catching my breath more than anything. That was it. <laughs> yeah. And uh, look, you know, I wouldn't lie about long. this, but everyone, everyone, that was one take. That was one take. And Jack is almost never one take. He calls himself the one take one that that's a lie. But this time around, I'd never lie on my birthday. You know me that well. He did that in one. What a day. What a day. Yeah. Right. Let's get on to this, shall we? Let's... Exciting times. Anyway, let's go. Yeah, we have a round of 16 to finish before we can get on to our live draw. Um, so let's get into it. Let's start with Bayern Munich against Chelsea because it seems the easiest. Sam, I'm chucking to you. Let's go. Yeah, we don't need to spend too long on this. Um, apologies to Chelsea fans, obviously. But when you lose 3-0 at home to Bayern Munich, who are one of the best teams in Europe right now, there's, there's just no coming back from that when you have to go away from home and go to the Allianz Arena. So... Bayern pretty much sailing through on this one and we can put them into the quarterfinals. I'm sure Dean would not disagree. I don't know. Absolutely. Chelsea might have made a little bit of a fight of it, but ultimately they'd have lost about 4-1. Yep, absolutely. Let's roll onwards. There's a lot to get through. So Manchester City versus Real Madrid. Dean, do you want to start us off here? Yeah, I mean, I think City do this for me. Um, Pep came up with that bizarre yet Turned out to be brilliant game plan uh, at the Bernabeu. And I think they would beat uh, Madrid at home. I think that um, Madrid haven't been their old selves. I think even in European competition, you can't be sure that you get the very best of this team anymore. Hazard, no great output. Benzema, even a little bit off colour uh, in the recent months. So I reckon, um, I think it probably would have been maybe a draw. 
I think Madrid would have made a fight of it, but I do think City would have edged it. De Bruyne. Sam? Yeah, makes sense to me. I mean, look, the, we've had some trust issues with City in the knockout stages, the Champions League in the past. For years now, they've underwhelmed when the spotlight has shone quite harshly on them, particularly at this kind of stage. But I think they won a lot of trust in that first leg against uh, against Real Madrid because they looked like they were going to keel over. Despite having the better of the game, they went 1-0 down due to a, a succession of mistakes in defence. And they could easily have just been their old selves at that point. But they weren't. They, they showed us something different. And there is no reason to think with that mentality and with the quality that they have at their disposal and the fire they have in them to win this Champions League, because we all know about the ban coming up, that they would not see this one out. They are the better team and they are in such an advantageous position. So City go through as well. Yeah, two away goals. It's hard to disagree with really at this point. Let's keep it mm. rolling. Barcelona-Napoli. Now, this one is a little bit more on a knife edge, Sam. It is, yeah. Napoli, uh, they, they they rolled up the Jose Mourinho bus, didn't they, for the first leg? It was um, it was mildly amusing to watch that many people try and occupy that small amount of square meterage of a pitch. But it worked to a point. Obviously, they ended up conceding that away goal in the end. And that's precisely the reason why I'm going to back Barca to go through. Um, because they they do carry an away goal back to the Camp Nou, where they obviously are better side there. Barca, away from home in Europe for years, have been a significantly worse outfit than they have been at home. Obviously, some of that's understandable. Teams almost always play better at home, but the chasm between those levels of performances has concerned quite a few people for a while. But hey, Barca walk into this home leg in a pretty strong position, so I'm going to give them the passage through unless Dean disagrees. No, you can't ever doubt Barcelona's uh, home pedigree in this competition, can you? So, um, although it was t- a tough work away from home, I think you, we're probably looking at a, a Barca win, probably 2-0 or something. Barca haven't been very good, and I'm sure that will come into play later on in the competition when they get their draw in the quarterfinals. But, you know, at this mm-hmm. point, Napoli haven't had a particularly good season either, and it's just hard to look past Barcelona. We move then to our final tie and perhaps the hardest one to call, I think. Uh, currently, Leon won Juventus nil, but to have to go back to Turin. Dean, how do you feel about this? Well, obviously, it was a disappointing result for Juve and an amazing result for Leon in that first leg. But you have to say, you're like looking back at it, Juve could easily have won that game. Uh, Ronaldo and Dybala both felt they were denied penalties. Dybala missed an unreal chance as well um, and actually had a goal ruled out in the game. Um, at home, I, I just think that they would see off Leon. I do think they would. Um, there is that Ronaldo factor that I'm sure we'll bring up again and again over the next half hour or so. Um, and I think that they would have just proved too strong. When the draw was first made for the last 16, everybody just kind of gave them a bye through to the quarterfinal. It's not going to be quite as simple as that. But I think that Juve, just too strong in every area, too much depth in this squad for me to to crash out at this stage to Leon. Yeah, absolutely. Sam, I assume you feel similarly. Yeah, I'm uh, definitely not going to be counting out the team who are one goal down on aggregate with a home leg to come with a man named Cristiano Ronaldo up front for them. That would be foolish. Uh, We've seen Juve come back from worse positions than this. It was only last year that they lost 2-0 to Atletico Madrid in the round of 16 in the home leg. And they got battered in that game, genuinely battered, and it should have been more. And that was Atletico's problem. They didn't get the third goal, went back to Turin. Ronaldo hat-trick, baby, and here we are. They're into the quarterfinals. So I'm not going to say that exactly that's going to happen again, although obviously after last week's podcast and we talked about just how many hat-tricks Ronaldo tends to get in clutch situations, 
Yeah, I wouldn't put it past him. And uh, I would be back in Juve to overcome Leon in this one. Yeah, I like this Leon side a lot. Like, I think they have an immense amount of talent. And it's only, it was only last year we were discussing that at some point we're going to look back at this Leon side and say, wow, all of those players played together. That's insane. Um, but it is hard to look past Juventus, especially with that form from last year in this exact round in you know, in mind. So there we are. The four teams through from the remaining round of 16 games are Bayern Munich, Manchester City, Barcelona and Juventus. Now, let's get on to the live draw for the quarterfinals. I'm sorry, I did ask Francesco Totti if he'd say a few words for us. I, you know, I've reached out to a few UEFA legends, but everyone's kind of locked up at the moment. So <laughs> it's one of those ones where I'm going to afraid it's just going to have to be me. So we've got a hat here. I've got a little hat with eight names in it. I'm just writing down the last of those mm-hmm. names who qualified. And uh, give this a rustle and off we go. It's exciting. Let's go. Yeah, this is how they do it as well at UEFA, you know. The first ball is PSG. The second is Atalanta. Third, Leipzig. Fourth, Atletico. Five, Bayern Munich. Six, Man City. Seven, Barcelona. And eight, Juventus. And the first ball out of the hat is number two, Atalanta. Right. Atalanta. They will be playing. They get the home leg second. They will be playing. Number six, Manchester City. Oh, boy. Oh, it's a big draw. It's a tough draw for Atalanta. They've, uh, oh. They're going to be like that Slavia Prague know, guy right? when he got the draw in the first round. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, was, that was so funny. Bless his little socks. Okay, right. Next ball out the hat. Number three, Red Bull Leipzig or Rasenball Leipzig, should I say. And they will be playing number seven, Barcelona. <sighs> I was hoping for oh, this. Oh, I like that. I was hoping for this. I like that a lot. I like that draw. That's an exciting tie. Exciting tie. Obviously, Barcelona away from home second as well. Dangerous, dangerous. Okay. Number four, Atletico Madrid will play. Number one, PSG, Paris Saint-Germain. This is such a good draw. It is. Which means (laughs) that number five... Bayern Munich will play number eight, Juventus. Super. Lovely stuff. Super. Really wow. Good. And that's oh, the bracket. Need to see as these well. games. So one side of the draw yeah. has Atalanta, Manchester City, Leipzig, and Barca, and the other side has Atletico, PSG, Bayern, and Juventus. The new system means obviously that you can tell who you're going to play in the semi final from the way that things are drawn. Okay. Well, let's get into it. Um, wow. First game, cool. first tie of the round. Atalanta versus Manchester City. Now, this is something we can base a little bit on form because these two had each other in the group stages. Sam, how do you see this one playing out? Yeah, so those two games in particular, Man City won the first meeting 5-1 at home. Obviously doesn't necessarily bode too well for Atalanta fans, but that was during the period in which Atalanta were... Let's say they were finding themselves. Obviously, they started on a horrid run. They lost their first three games and ended up picking so many points towards the end that they were actually able to qualify almost against the odds. The second game they played, which is the fourth overall, uh, that was a 1-1 draw at home. A little bit more hope there. And this, these are two teams who uh, they, play love, they both play lovely football and they both press. They both use wide overloads. They both score tons of goals. Um, Atalanta have Ilicic. City have Sterling and Aguero. This is, this is one of those games that you look at and you immediately think, well, someone's going to win 4-3. And... I would I would say it would be City, not just based on the fact that they are unbeaten uh, this season against this team over over two legs, but at some point you think you you just imagine that Atalanta's kind of carefree sailing away into the Champions League attitude where they've just they're just enjoying that ride. At some point it has to meet 
uh, an object that they just can't get around. And you feel like Man City are one of those because let's let's not doubt it. City are one of the, in my opinion, one of the three or four strongest teams in this competition. And this is where it gets really, really difficult. So I'd say Atalanta's dream run probably ends here. But it's a hell of a ride regardless, and they give us one final show. Absolutely. Dean, it's it's a funny one because obviously we're all here for the Atalanta fairy tale. Let's be perfectly honest. We we love fairy tales in the Champions League. It's why we loved Ajax's run so much last year. And Atalanta have very much announced themselves as that kind of side, especially after such a bad start, like Sam says. It does feel like the kind of game City could throw away or have thrown away in the past. And, and you know, like Sam says there, it feels like it'll end 4-3. Those high-scoring games haven't always gone in City's favour, have they? They haven't, no. And I think that, um, as well, Atalanta have got that kind of Ajax feel about them this season, whereby every game they go into, you think, oh, this is where it's going to end. And it doesn't. They kind of just relish the challenge and step up to the occasion and surprise people it's a really nice feeling to have um be a team with a competition like this and there's no expectation on you in every game that you play and I think that's what we saw in Ajax last season and why they really should have been in in the Champions League final last year and I've definitely seen similarities in the way that Atalanta players seem to look forward to each game so I think there is a chance they could win this one the only thing I would say is that Man City I think anyway are going to be super motivated to win this competition this time around, obviously, if they'd just beaten Real Madrid as well to get through, big statement. Uh, you couldn't be throwing it away um, in a match like this. It's possibly the best draw that they could hope for. Um, and I think that at a time when we're talking about Man City not being in European competition next season, uh, that the thought of Man City walking out, winning the Champions League final and celebrating um, in front of UEFA officials just has this really strange, funny feeling about it. And I do think that that's on the player's mind. So I don't think they would let this one slip. I do think that um, we'd just be seeing those um, those attacks down down each flank. The cutbacks would be back and Man City would be finishing them off. OK, all right. Well, Man City then, by way of 2-0 from Zamandine, are through to the semi-finals. Let's move on to the other quarterfinal in this bracket Leipzig against Barcelona now this is a crackerjack of a tie yeah this is uh this is basically everything I wanted from this draw this is this is the one game I had in my mind when you were when you were pulling the names out I was like please give me Leipzig Barcelona and I think it's really hard to call I just I love the idea of these two teams clashing and I guess in terms of gauging the strength Barca have slowly improved under Kike Setien but they probably still feel just a little bit fragile and particularly maybe vulnerable to to the to the speed in behind and the balls over the top as they as they sort of move away from Valverde's lower block and towards a kind of higher press system but with like older and, and slower players and it's been a little bit of a gritty transition for them and you know if they came up against a team like Leipzig who are so finely tuned like tactically they just know exactly what they're doing and they are so fast at counter-attacks they're so good at what they do I genuinely reckon Leipzig would win this now I know you've always got the messy card to play for Barcelona um, and you've always got that kind of you're almost reluctant to give a, a, an underdog like this like the, the, the two-legged win over a powerhouse like Barcelona um, but Leipzig I think I think the the players that they have at their disposal, particularly in the attacking areas, and given the form their centre-backs and goalkeeper have been showing, I do reckon they could grind this out. I think Timo Werner running at that defence is a nightmare for them. 
And I think Upamakano and Gulashi and goal and, and and those around them have played so so well over the last few months. They are they are they are well equipped to beat this Barca side, and I think they do it. I think if this game was the other way round, if but if we'd drawn Barca out of the hat first and Leipzig second, then I think I would disagree with you. But like you say, Barcelona at home in Europe have been severe force for some time and away they've been disappointing and the contrast between the two sides is remarkable if not stark and I think that plays massively in Leipzig's favour. Dean how do you feel about this one? Yeah look I think that um, under Julian Nagelsmann it's really really hard to not fancy them in a game like this. I think when they destroyed Tottenham last time around 3-0 there was Doubts about whether how they would come through that game, I think, from a few people. Think that we were unsure what their approach would be in the early stages of it. They managed that game absolutely brilliantly. And I think that there's no reason to believe that they wouldn't beat Barcelona, to be honest. I think the combination of Nagelsmann and Werner would probably be too much for Barca, as we were seeing anyway. From, as the teams cut off from the season... If we were going into it right now, I would 100% fancy Leipzig to do this. I think that, like Sam says, the Timo Werner effect against that Barcelona defence, I think he would probably probably prove decisive. I've seen people talking about the way that he plays in terms of pace and directness, but for me it's his freedom as well that he gets. Um, and he stays patient, waits for his chances, and he eats them up. Obviously, Messi does have that same kind of influence for Barcelona He's hidden up a lot of their flaws so far this season. Um, but I would have to say, Leipzig just have this relentless mentality. They've, they've barely lost from recent times uh, in Germany and in the Champions League. So I think, to be honest, if you're looking at this logically, you'd have to say it's Leipzig that win. I'm a little bit surprised that Dino's gone into bat for Leipzig. I thought, I thought that would be a point of difference for us, but I, I'm glad he's seen the light. I'm glad he's been listening to what I've been saying over the last uh, six months or so. I've got a slight bone to pick with it in the. Leipzig are a strange unit. Yes, they've got better. And yes, like Dean says, their mentality is, has been exquisite. But, you know, in that there are points of contention as well. You know, they lo- they very nearly lost at home to Benfica in the group stages. They were 2-0 down on 90 minutes. And yes, it's impressive that Emil Forsberg scored two goals in, the la- in, in added time to kind of rescue it. But equally, you know, they sort of squeezed a win over Zenit. They lost at home to Leon. They drew away to Leon. There are games here where you think, what are they doing? Like, how have they managed to get through this? They've it's a it's a really strange one. Obviously, Demi's gone to to Napoli, and he was a you know a quite a good unit in this. And and yes, I agree, they've got better and they've they've got more cohesive as a unit across the course of the season. But I do think there are weaknesses in this Leipzig side. I don't think they're watertight, but there are in the Barca team as well, aren't there? You know, oh, huge ones, and there are exactly the same doubts. I'd, I'd almost say. Just... I understand the concern, Jack, over the the Leipzig group stage games, and it was a weird group. Like everybody just decided to try and lose at least two games at one point. I, th- I feel like um, Leipzig only ended up losing the one, but they tried very hard to lose more than one. Um, but the the progress they've made and and the the maturation process, I guess, over the over the last few months. We're a long way away, uh, you know, we're 31st of March today as we record. It's a long way away from those group stage games, the steps that they've, they've taken, the things they put into place. And really, if you're looking for a, a performance to measure the bar, you look no further than that Tottenham performance. 
did that's that's the one yeah. that you base it on not 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 the one where they, they nearly threw it away in the group stages a long time ago i think that's the fair way to look at it, or the fairer way to look at it yeah no i think that's fair enough i just you know i didn't want this to be a, a one i think we're gonna get battered for this aren't we no, I don't think so. I, I think there is. I think a lot of Barcelona fans will admit there is massive, massive issues with things. I think the the truth is that with a player like Leo Messi in here, you can never write Barcelona off. He might just decide to score a hat trick, and there's not much that anyone yeah. can do about it if if that if that happens and it falls for him, right? But ultimately, you've got to play these things out logically, and I think that it would be hard to argue that in terms of form, in terms of performance levels, in terms of cohesion, that Barcelona have been a better side than Leipzig over the last two, three months. If this was played out with Luis Suarez fit and firing again, then maybe, but we've got to take it currently as it is. And we've got to take it as Mm -hmm. the team that are put in front of us. And ultimately right now, Barcelona are struggling. 100%. Okay, let's move things on to the third tie then. Atletico versus PSG. Now, this is lots of fun. I'm, I'm quite here for this. Sam, I'm going to start with you this time. Just picture for a second Diego Simeone's reaction on the touchline as Neymar goes down holding his ankle for the fifth time in six minutes. <laughs> <laughs> this is, this is, oh, I'm there for it. I'm there for that. This is fireworks. This is this is the epitome of fireworks as a game. It's the third game on the list already that I'm just like, I just, I just wish I could see it. But hey, that's why we're here to play this out for us. Atletico Madrid, um, look, lots of you will know that I basically gave them absolutely no chance of progressing to this point. Uh, but I really, really feel like with that, that second leg against Liverpool, you know, when you, people talk about, oh, you win that game nine out of 10 times, Liverpool win that game nine out of 10 times. And, and that, that was the one out of 10. And Atletico, I think, to be honest, even though they've managed to beat Liverpool over two legs, which is a phenomenal achievement, they do feel a little out of place here among City and Barca and PSG and Bayern and Juve. And... I don't think that they can get that. I don't think that they can they can sort of grasp onto that one out of ten chance again. PSG is the same thing we talked about. Man City. It was the the maturity of the performance in the second leg against Dortmund to see that game out. Now again, Dortmund night and day, home and away as a team, they look completely different. But the, the PSG, the PSG of old, would have bottled that game. They would have found a way to throw it away. And Dortmund were never really in it. They controlled it so well. So. If you extrapolate that and suggest that maybe PSG have turned a corner and actually their their on-paper ability marries up to an ability to win the games when it matters, then they're a side to be truly feared. And they're a side that Atletico probably can't get the better of over two legs, in my opinion. Dean, where do you stand on this one? Yeah, it's a strange one. I, I was tempted to go with Atleti just because I think that... Simeone factor still just cannot be underestimated in terms of his game plans and after what we saw him do to Liverpool who have been the best team in Europe for the entire season he he managed to pull that off brilliantly Um, I think there have been players in there that have been really really smart signings look at Kieran Trippier for example who we were making fun of at the start of the season and and he's bounced back to become one of the best right backs I'd say in, in Europe but then for me, it would be their goal output and I'd be worried about where they're actually going to get their goals from. Um, they have just been really struggling for four goals and particularly from the places that you would expect them to come from. Um, Murata's output hasn't been great. Um, Costa, I guess, could have impact if he's back fully fit. João Felix obviously joins for €127 million, Euros, but... You know, for all the great moments and the flashes of brilliant touches and, and dribbles and such, 
Are they happening in the decisive areas? He was really finding his form, though, wasn't he? Just as we paused, he was starting to look really good. Yeah. I, for, for all, uh, he was really good against Liverpool. Yeah, like lots of lots of players, obviously, just finding form. But for Felix, it really started. To, it was starting to feel like it was dawning on him, and things were starting to turn just as we paused. And I, I feel, I feel for him a little bit. I do too. I just, I just wouldn't want to. I don't feel you can rely on him yet, and I don't think you should have to rely on him. I think it's too early in his career to have that yeah. on his shoulders, and I think that. In a game like this one, I just think it would be too much for Atleti. And I, I think that the reason of that is that while PSG are the most unpredictable team in the Champions League for me, because you don't know if you're going to get the team that bottles it or you get the team that come out all guns firing and and just blow teams away. But I think there are signs that they are now a team that really listen to Tuchel and really take those messages in and execute them well, execute them well. And I just, I think that this winning habit is actually showing signs that it can carry on into the Champions League. I think they've lost, what, once since uh, the beginning of November or something like that. And I think that it's time to give them respect. I've probably been as disrespectful as PSG as anyone out there has been. Um, I've always had doubts about whether they can raise their games for the, the very biggest nights when they're used to playing poorer opposition domestically. But I think we're seeing signs that actually, do you know what? This side can do it because they've got a grit and togetherness that is almost as important to them as their flamboyant side. And so for every... Um, Neymar and Mbappe trick you've got someone like Kimpembe who's keeping everything together and keeping his head and keeping uh, this side set on what they've got to go out there and execute so it would be an amazing tie I think it would be two very different approaches but I do think that this was beginning to look like a season when PSG can really push on into those towards those semi-finals and try and win it so I'm going to go with PSG. I think the key here, guys, is that Thomas Tuchel doesn't soil himself tactically again. Yeah, um, I was this, about to this, say. <laughs> for, for PSG, this this happens too often. That's why that we've come to doubt them over yeah. the years. And the reason people are, are somewhat disrespectful to them is because they they they've earned that reputation. Like the amount of times they've been knocked out in the round of 16 in the quarterfinals over the years, it, it, often in circumstances that they shouldn't, is ridiculous. And and they. They've earned this reputation for themselves and they're now repairing it. We're starting to show some respect for them as a result. With Tuchel, like, we, you don't even have to go back that far to pick up another quite a concerning moment or game. It was the first leg against Dortmund when they, for some yeah. reason, decided to depart from their very well-tried and trusted 4-4-2 that managed to get all of the big guns and Di Maria in that worked really well, it was well-balanced. And they just went to this very bizarre system with three at the back. They had no strike force whatsoever. It was the worst game of football I think I've seen Mbappe play, maybe ever. Um, he was completely lost. And it wasn't his fault. It was Tuchel's fault because he produced a system that no one was comfortable with. And they lost soundly at Dortmund. Now, they turned that around in the second leg. Fair play. But those details, like in the quarterfinal stage against a team like Atletico, who will do exactly as they are told to a point of just complete repetition you can't afford to do that so this is as much in Tuchel's hands as anybody else's on that pitch and it's about whether or not you can trust him not to do something bizarre and I guess I'm saying I do trust him but it's always a little bit of a concern there for me I love Thomas Tuchel and you know this I think he's a wonderful manager he does sometimes really do things that baffle me and I'm sure baffle PSG fans more than anything else I give this to Atleti. I still 
think that there is something in the Atleti mindset, in the in the psyche of this team and in the psyche of Simeone's team where he is going to take Atleti to a Champions League title. I, I don't know what it is. I just have a funny feeling that Atleti would win this tie. Are you just saying that because he made the prediction at the start of the season? No, I genuinely, <laughs> I, I don't know what it is about Atleti, but like, I very rarely think they're going to lose in the Champions League. I just can't get away from how unbelievably fortunate that Liverpool's second leg was and I just I just struggle I struggle to to back a team like that that, that were put under so much pressure and really could just kind of got away with it I think uh, at the end of the day as amazing as the moments were at the end and obviously Adrian had his part to play Marcus Llorente had a part to play uh, I just I just cannot get over how fortunate that felt and how unrepeatable that kind of fortune is over two legs against a team of PSG's caliber. Okay. All right. Well, you two are the decisive voices in this. So PSG qualify. They become our third semi-finalist. And that leaves the big one, I suppose. Bayern Munich against Juventus. They're probably the form team in Europe against the big guns of Italy. Dean, do you want to start us off? Well, this kind of kills me, this one, because I've obviously been tipping throughout the course of this podcast and this season, I've been tipping Juventus to win the Champions League. And if it comes to a tie like this, I'm obviously going to struggle to show any logic that proves that Juve would actually beat Bayern over two legs. (laughs) Um, I mean, to put up a defence, I guess I would put forward Juve's depth of squad and the amount of options they've got in most positions to call upon and they've got options that um, are mostly tried and tested at the very top level. I think that could really help them. Um, I think in Bentancur, they've got a player that's been really growing and has become, for me, one of the most important players in making the team work. And I think that he kind of has provided this link at times between midfield and attack that it's that's been missing at other times. I think that for how good they are as individuals in this Juve team, they have lacked fluidity and they have just struggled to get the ball forward in a way that you would think a Sarri team might have mastered by now, typically anyway. So I think that he would be crucial. And then obviously there's the magic of Dybala and Ronaldo that can win any game. And there was obviously the game before the cutoff, um, Juve beat into... 2-0, 2-0, so there's there's results like that that prove that they can still do it against the very best. But it's Bayern, man. <laughs> They're just... <laughs> there's just literally... Yep. I just can't see how they would hold them off. I just, I just don't think that even if they were to... Everything fell together and Juve put together maybe their best performance of the season, from what we've been seeing of Bayern... They are just so well prepared for every scenario and they have been for weeks and weeks now. The way that they've bounced back in Bundesliga, turned that division around, um, bounced back on all all fronts. Oh, I, I just guess that Bayern would, Bayern would go through, wouldn't they? I, just, I, get, I get it. They just feel, they feel an overwhelming presence at the moment. 14 wins from their last 15 games. So they last lost a game uh, back in back in December to, yeah. to Gladbach, which was a hell of a game. And actually, Javi Martinez got Melon of the Week for that game. So <laughs> since, since, they've, um, since they've been avoiding Melon-like scenarios, they've, uh, they've been absolutely, well, they've been literally unbeatable and that's just the kind of team they are at the moment um, everybody is in form Lewandowski is the best number nine in the world right now Thiago is looking incredible since the turn of the year in midfield Alfonso Davies is suddenly one of the world's best left backs like every stone they turn over turns out to be 
just like exactly what they need. It's really weird. And look, Juve are a brilliant side. They're, I think, the best team in Italy. They have the, the most clutch player in the world. And I still think that Bayern would beat them. Yeah, no, I, I think it's fair enough. In the same way, in the same breath that we mentioned Leo Messi and that Leipzig tie, if Cristiano Ronaldo just decides to turn it on and score a hat-trick, then there's not much that anyone can do. Yeah. I do think that what you were saying there, Sam, about holding them off is is a fair point. And quietly, I know at the start of the season, we were we were talking about Matthias De Ligt and talking about him struggling a little bit. And actually, since then, he's been really, really solid. And he's had a quiet, but I think that's kind of what you want from your from your centre backs. A quiet season where he's just done things right and and fair play to him because he was under quite a lot of heat straight away. And, you know, since that moment he's just slotted in and quietly gone about his business and done a, a lot of things right. So I mean there is definitely a case to be made that Juventus could hold off Bayern for a little while. I just think logically over two legs. Bayern probably have enough to dispose of them. Probably. I think for De Ligt, it was a bit of a nightmare scenario because I really do feel like Juve didn't want to use him as much as they did to start with. It was only Chiellini's quite early ACL tear that thrust him into the team quite so often. And uh, he was playing alongside Bonucci, which is never a bad thing. But I think ideally they would have played him alongside Chiellini. Now, important to consider in this scenario is that just before we hit the pause, Chiellini returned to football. He made a ridiculously quick recovery from his ACL tear. And he quite likely had Juve, if Juve beat Leon in the, in, in the second leg, as we've decided they are, he would probably be starting this game. And with Chiellini, that, 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 that brings some kind of different edge, a different level of leadership and a different level of organisation to the defence. And that's, that's maybe where Juventus' calling card is. Yes, they've got Ronaldo up top, but the fact that you do really have to hold Bayern out for the first 20 and then things start to open up for you in return, that that task is obviously made so much easier by the fact that Chiellini is at the heart of your defence, blocking, intercepting, tackling left and right. Okay. Well, I assume then that on the basis of what we've discussed, you're both putting Bayern Munich into the semi-finals. Yeah. No, Juve, mate. (laughs) (laughs) Go on then. then. That leaves us two semi-finals of Manchester City against Leipzig with City at home second and PSG against Bayern with PSG at home second. Let's start in Manchester. City versus Leipzig. Sam, how do you see this playing out? Right. Very interesting. Um, it's the teams that can press in a, in a coordinated fashion and, 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 and sort of commit to a high pressure game are the ones that tend to deal City the most damage. Um, we've seen that in various forms. We've seen it at the top level with Liverpool, who have obviously tended to get the better of them over the last couple of years, using that very high energy approach and trying to disrupt their build-up game. We've also seen it like when Norwich beat them back in where well, it would have been about September, wasn't it? When they played very bravely through City's press and committed pressure of their own and managed to beat them. Now, beating City is ridiculously difficult. But if there's a team in this in this in this quarterfinal draw that can actually put the game plan together to do what other teams have done to beat them, I think it's Leipzig. And I think this is a really, really close game. I still personally am tempted to say it's City that edge it in the same way that they edge Atalanta. I think there's a fair few goals in this one, but that drive and that hunger to win the Champions League and this this newfound mentality of cities and the fact that the Premier League's just gone. Like this is you know, the Carabao Cup means nothing to them. This is this is their chance of glory this year, and they take it seriously. And I think Leipzig are a serious contender for this game. Genuinely, that's how good they are. 
but I'd still pick City to edge it. Dean? Yeah, I think that for me, Guardiola, it's obviously been a long time now since he, he won the Champions League. Nine years maybe now. And I think a tie like this, again, is almost a best scenario for him. I think that they they would have the power to see them off in every every part of the field. I think that obviously there have been question marks over City's defence throughout the season. But I think that um, overall, Man City would just, they would just have too much. And I think not just because of um, of physical matters, but because of, as I mentioned before, the mental motivation that this team has right now, going from everything from UEFA's ban to Guardiola's need to win the Champions League to the owner's need to win the Champions League to, I guess, a season in which they haven't been the, as bad as the Premier League table would make out. Um, if you were to look, you'd think that Liverpool have been worlds ahead of Man City and actually they ha- they haven't been. There's actually been some very tight margins at times that have decided that Man City don't win games. And I think they should be a lot closer to them. And I think that if they could make up for that by getting to the Champions League final this season, they would put absolutely everything into that. And I think that that's probably to their advantage. I think the fact that they are out of the title race in England is something that is going to help them once things get back underway. I think that they'll just put everything into this, every game plan, every training session, Pep will be masterminding it. He'll be working on it right this second. He'll be looking at all his potential opponents and be working out their weaknesses. And I just think that this is the season where Man City can, if they have a a good path towards the semi-finals, can get there. And I think that this would be it. Does that mean Manchester City are the first team in our Champions League final? It does. It does. Okay. Right then, let's get on to the other semi. Bayern Munich against PSG. A clash of champions. A clash of dynasty champions, really, in in their respective leagues. Um, Sam, you were talking up PSG and saying that their mentality has been better this season. Has it been better or good enough to get past Bayern Munich? Oh boy, this is a t- this is a tough one, isn't it? I mean, this I is... mean, they're all tough at this stage. <laughs> yeah, they are. But this is just 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 trying to figure out, like you know, balancing it in your head, like okay, so which which attacking force would would come out on top? Like how susceptible would Bayern Munich be to Mbappe's speed, given that their press is now, or their counter-press is, is so well organised? How would PSG's defence, which is good, Thiago Silva's been at a really high level, but they do leave gaps. Like How would how would they cope with a rejuvenated Thomas Muller, who is back to his round deuter space investigator best? Friend of the got, pod, Thomas like, Muller. Second, have you know. second, yeah, second most, uh, second most assists in the Bundesliga this season behind Sancho. He's got five goals and six assists this year, calendar year, and in all competitions, like this is the best Muller we've seen since 2013, 14, maybe when Pep was in charge. Best Lewandowski I think we've ever seen. As we've mentioned, Kimmich, is, Kimmich and Thiago in midfield is brilliant. And I think this is probably just about too much for PSG. I think as, as much as I praise PSG for being a more coordinated outfit now and having that improved mentality, I think Bayern boasts all of those qualities, but to, a, but to a higher level, to a better degree. And... Look, I've said it a lot. These are all tight games, but I would back Bayern to reach the final here. Dean? I'm going to put up a case for, for PSG here because I think that although we've said before in the last segment about how relentless and unbeatable Bayern that that unpredictability that, that PSG hold does actually hold quite a lot of weight for me. And I think that when you see this team fall into full rhythm, um, there is very little to stop them. And in the same sense that uh, I was arguing that Man City would be able to focus everything 
uh, on just getting through to the Champions League final once the season gets back underway. The same argument will hold up for, for PSG because they're so desperate to get it and they will put all of their uh, priorities into these fixtures. Whereas Bayern, you'd imagine anyway, will still be in a title race. They're still going to have some some other competition domestically. And, and in that sense, they're going to have to field their strongest team. So I think players are going to be rested. Obviously, they've had a long rest now anyway. So then it comes down to me to to the X factor, to the players, to the match winners. And I just feel that this is, this is Neymar and Mbappe's time. I think that there is no reason to believe that those two wouldn't absolutely terrorise Bayern, um, exploit them in the fullback positions. I mean, a very good friend of the pod would have something to say about that in Alfonso Davis. But um, <laughs> yes, I, I do think that, that the, while they might not beat them for necessarily for pace in, in his position particularly, their movement and their, their thought processes and their, their interactions could actually drag that Bayern team around a little bit. I don't know, man. I, I just don't think this is straightforward as as I probably would have had. If you'd asked me instinctively to guess PSG or Bayern, I would have said Bayern. Once I start thinking about this deeper and deeper, I, I start to see a PSG Man City final. Look, if everybody plays to their absolute full potential, yeah, I think you might be right, Dean. I think maybe PSG win this one. I just think that given how good... Bayern have been under Hansi Flick. And given the fact that Thomas Tuchel very recently nearly messed all the things up by playing a really weird formation in a crucial game against Dortmund, I don't see Bayern going to PSG and getting battered, whereas I can see PSG going to Bayern and getting battered. I think over two legs, it's Bayern for me. But I I think if this was a one-off game, if this was the final, I would probably back PSG to win it. But over two legs, I think I'd be tempted to go by it. A choice, Jack. Yeah, I mean, it's a battle of nows, really. I mean, obviously, in terms of experience and and smartness, I think, yes, it's definitely logical to, to go with Bayern. But I think the fact that PSG are finally beyond that round of 16, the fact that if the path opens up like this to get to the final and then they really do just put everything into it, then it's kind of a never-before-seen opportunity for them. And we, we all know that this is the ultimate goal for PSG, to be respected at, on this level, and I don't think they've ever really had that. I think that for Tuchel as well, this would be the ultimate test for him to prove that he can do it with this set of players and kind of elevate himself to that very elite tier of management. Yep. Um, I, I, I'm just gonna, I think PSG would do it. Okay, well, there we are. We have Deadlock, um, and Deadlock is not easily sold, unfortunately. It <laughs> does get a penalty. We get a penalty. You're the casting vote, Jack. Um, I am going to send Bayern Munich into the final um, over two legs. I think that, you know, the, for the reasons said above, if this was a one leg game, if this was the final, I'd probably side with Dean, but over two legs, I'm going to side with you, Sam, which puts, and it is also your birthday. Um, so <laughs> that's basically oh, when, the, when Gianni and Fantino. Oh yeah, that's how Champions that's the League winning decided. Penalty, yeah. When Gianni emailed you, mate, that is not exactly what he had in mind. Look, I mean, I'm just here to host debates, <laughs> but when you put things on me like a penalty shootout, I have to make decisions. So we have to keep this pod rolling, which gives us a Manchester City versus Bayern Munich final in Istanbul. Over to you, Dean Jones. Who wins the Champions League? Wow, this reminds me a little bit of 1999 when Man United played Bayern Munich in the uh, Champions League final. Um, and obviously United very nearly lost that game. But um, 
dug deep and came through and won the treble. So uh, could the other side of Manchester be celebrating in a similar way? Um, it would be so, so interesting to see Manchester City play in a Champions League final for so many reasons, obviously the ones we've already discussed. But more than that, from um, a tactical point of view, to see what Pep would come up with in a final against Bar- uh, against Bayern Munich would just be so intriguing. And more than anything, I think I'd like to see Kevin De Bruyne play in a Champions League final and kind of mastermind a game like this and take it by the scruff of the neck and control such, such a big occasion. I think that for me would be the real key for Man City in in terms of winning this tie. I think winning that midfield battle, I think that uh, Bayern... Typically, we've seen time and time again how strong they are in that that area of the field and how they they can dominate the ball um, and they can get aggressive as well. I think if if Man City were able to match them in that sense, then they would be okay. I definitely think it would be tight and and could drag on into the late stages. I think as well as that, he'd have a big decision to make in terms for Pep in terms of who he actually played in attack. We've seen him get a little bit too clever at times in the Champions League, and it, and it's been to his undoing. I think you'd obviously go um, Raheem and you'd have Aguero up there with him, but it'd be really interesting to see who else he, he put up with them in a, in a matchup like this to see what gave them the best chance. I mean, Sam, what would you do in that situation? What do you think he'd go with his three? Oh, um, I mean, I think the focus would undoubtedly for Pep be on uh, attacking Bayern Munich right side to so be basically attacking Pavard. Obviously, Pavard now mm. plays right back pretty much full time given that Kimmich has moved into midfield. That's a hell of a battle in midfield. And my question there would be, like, Thiago, what a lovely footballer, but there have been occasions over the last few years where when it really matters on the very biggest stage, he has gone uncomfortably quiet and it has bothered me a little bit. And I just wonder how that would play mm. out because at full throttle, Thiago and Kimmich against Kevin De Bruyne and co would be amazing. But if you're Pep, you're you're targeting Pavard, I think, who is uh, obviously he's a centre-back by trade. So he's a good defender. He's just nowhere near as mobile as the sort of nifty wingers that Pep has at his disposal. You're talking Sterling. You're talking maybe Sané. You could even talk Mares. Like he, I think he was struggle with that whereas Alfonso Davies can just stay yard for yard with pretty much everybody and I think he'd probably do a similar thing to what Aaron Wan-Bissaka did against Raheem Sterling in the last uh, Manchester derby which was just pretty much bottle him up so yeah you, you you attack Pavard and you see what you can get down that left side I don't know what he'd do at fullback there because I don't think he's got a single player at left back Pep who could he could absolutely count on to stop the supply of crosses that Pavard would send in. And he's a good crosser. Like I guess it translates well because he's a fantastic passer. But we talk about how good Bayern have been and how free-flowing they've been. And a lot of the goals that they score, Lewandowski headers from Pavard crosses, like it's fairly bread and butter stuff. They're just very good at that combination. So that entire flank is where this game is won and lost. And it is an, a supremely difficult call. Um I think I'm just going to have to stay with with Bayern. Um, I think they're the best team in football right now in terms of form, in terms of uh, the style of play and how they execute it and how relentless they are. So it's difficult for me to look past them in a hypothetical Champions League final, particularly when City are very, very good, very, very motivated, but probably and arguably more flawed, I would say. Yeah, I mean, it's a it's a tough one, isn't it? I think also what you go there is you look at that left back and you wonder who's in front of Pavard, whether it be, you know, Nabry switching sides or Komen or, or whoever, you know, you're going to struggle with that. City's left back problem has been a, you know, has been an issue for a while. And 
while Zinchenko is back and Zinchenko is a wonderful, wonderful footballer, you know, it doesn't strike you as the most defensively sound option you could have there. I think that, you know, Sterling will track back, of course, and and things will happen, but it is a, a tough one. The only thing I would say is that Alfonso Davis is an unbelievably good player and has been a wonderful left back. But you would maybe play Mares there and try not to go at him with pace because you're not going to beat him for pace. He looks like he's gliding when he's running at full speed. The The man literally is built on wheels. But it's... You, know, you, you maybe try and have a go and with with a player like Riyad Mahrez, with who's trickier than he is, you know, pure pace, and and see what happens there because you know you try and get him on the back foot, try and get him to you know to test that defensive now switch. When we spoke to him, he's you know he was worried about, and you know we can he can testify to that himself. So it's one of those things. The midfield for me is where it's won and lost, and I think you're right, Sam. If Goretzka, Kimmich and Thiago, which you'd imagine probably would be the midfield three, are up against De Bruyne, Silva and Rodri. That's that's a hell of a battle. Um, but I think Bayern edge it. And I think that's where the game's won for me. Yeah, I mean, I think I think ultimately it would come down. I mean, if I think of these two teams at their very, very best, I, I do think that Man City would edge it on their very, very best day. But... You can't just look at it like that. You have to look at them across the season and, and how they've been mentally as much as anything else. And I think we've seen Man City lose their way on, on too many occasions, even recently. So they lost the Manchester Derby 2-0. That's not a game they should really be losing, even even away from home. They, you know, they are, the on paper, the better team. They should be winning that game. After Tottenham 2-0, obviously lost um, um, before that as well in the... Um, in that game against Wolves, which we've dissected before, which, you know, a very clever game plan from Wolves was able to see Man City off 3-2. And, and there's, there's instances like that throughout the season. I mean, Man City have lost a lot of games this season. What, seven, eight games? Um, and I think that by drawing on all of the flaws that we've seen throughout those matches, you'd probably see that, that Bayern that we've seen over the last three months just wouldn't lose that you know you, you talk about the uh the german efficiently uh, efficiency as a trait well that's what everything that this Bayern munich team have and i think that with Lewandowski leading them it's just a man that you can put complete faith in in an occasion like a champions league final and i think if you were to pick a winner right now just to just to ask people across football at the last 16 stage who do you think will win the champions league i think Bayern would anyway be a lot of people's favorites so I think that there's so many factors that work in their favour. So, yeah, for me, uh, sorry, Man City, but you are edged out of this final 2-1. So our Champions League winners are probably the best side in Europe right now, Bayern Munich. So congratulations to them. Uh, Gianni, we'll take our checks whenever you're ready for deciding Europe's Premier Cup competition. And that leaves us with one thing to do, and that is the nonsense rankings from our birthday boy, Sam Tai. Here's Stu Holden with the siren. Off we go, Sam. Yes, thank you, Stu. Um, 30th birthday today, so naturally I'm going to rank my presents. Um, I'm an adult now, so I don't get very many. Uh, also, we're in quarantine, so it's just like kind of hard to do anything, let alone do anything fun or, or get anything major delivered. Not that... I presume anyone actually was going to send me anything nice anyway. But my fiance stepped up 
uh, and has bought me a few things, uh, most of it joking. So I'm going to rank them three through to one. Uh, number three, this morning I unwrapped a black hat with 30 never looks so good written in giant white letters on it. <laughs> I am wearing it for the podcast. I don't disagree with the sentiment. I won't picture it. However, um, yeah, I may not wear it out of the house yeah, very much, post that. but I will, I will post the picture. Don't worry. Uh, in at number two, something else, something else you're going to want picture evidence of. It is a skin tight, long sleeve Captain America shirt. Um, I said a few weeks ago that I was uh, I was watching the Marvel films in chronological order. I've been telling Rachel um, that I've got a newfound respect for Captain America. Hang on, yeah, you were going to uh, tell Captain you were telling America us films. that you thought he was the weakest of the Avengers only about two weeks ago. Yeah, he, I thought he was crap, and it, you know what? This whole thing has just changed. It's just changed my, my 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 perception of Captain America. I think he's great. I love him. So I've obviously been uh, letting on to that or, or or talking about it a lot because. Voila, and I'm wearing it again. I'm wearing a Captain America long sleeve, uh, skin tight shirt. Uh, I'll put them. I'll put it. I'll, I'll send a picture of them both together. I look absolutely ridiculous. Um, and by the way, fear not. By the time you listen to this, which will be on Wednesday, I will have seen Avengers Endgame. I'll be watching that on my birthday, and I will have watched every single Marvel film in chronological order. This is what quarantine does to your people, and the ranking is coming soon. Might Don't need worry. to be a written one. Yeah, maybe, maybe. I'll see if Vice will take it. Um, on to number one. Uh, uh, this is the best present I got. Four rolls of toilet roll. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, and it's oh. it's Andrex as well. It's the good stuff. Uh, so oh, well. I'm rich, boys. I'm not cash rich, but I am. Yeah, that must have cost a fortune. Yeah. I'm sort of, I'd say, I'd, I'm end of days rich, quarantine rich, uh, if you will. Um, so I'm going to add that to the <laughs> add that to the stash. Uh, genuinely feel like I'm I've just been given a million dollars, so uh, that's pretty good. I was a little bit disappointed initially to unwrap a present and it was toilet roll, but then I realised like I remembered mm. how precious a substance that is right yeah, now. The gravity and of I the was situation. Happy about it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, but the real the real present outside the ranking. <laughs> now you can do kick ups with it. Uh, I'm going to have to give it a go now, I guess. Um, but yeah, the uh, the real yeah, present. No excuse now, mate. The real present was the uh, the very nice video messages I got and 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 the other messages I got. So Jack and Dean uh, and the load of colleagues and friends of the podcast, like Mike McGee and Jimmy Conrad and Asmir Begovic, all sent uh, happy birthday video messages that Rach put into a collage. And a lot of the Rank Squad have also wished me happy birthday on social media. And I appreciate every message. Thank you very much. Uh, spending your 30th birthday, which is a pretty serious milestone in quarantine, is definitely not how I'd drawn it up. But it's been pretty good so far. And you guys have uh, been a part of that. So thank you. Absolutely. Well, we'll be raising a glass to you later on, Sam. And, and thank you so much for that. All that is left for me to do is say goodbye. So to you, birthday boy, happy birthday. Congratulations for getting to 30. And thank you for joining us today. Thank you, mate. Thank Cheers. you, Mr. Dean Jones, as ever. Cheers, mate. Congratulations, Sam. And congratulations, yeah, Bayern Munich. Congratulations to Bayern. Champions of Europe on the BR Ranks Champions League. Gang, we hope you've enjoyed today's episode. If you're new to the Rank Squad, make sure you get involved on Twitter, on Instagram. We're hashtag Rank Squad or hashtag BR Football Ranks. Do us a favour, send the pod to any friends who you think might enjoy this, especially in these weird quarantine times. People crying out for things to listen to. Well, you know what to do. My name has been Jack Collins. Thank you so much for listening we'll see you next week rank squad stay safe look after yourselves bye-bye